Guys. I hope the next time I see you, we're on a golf course and it's warm. Let's do it. Yes, a couple weeks, hopefully. Golf, guys. Yes. Golf. Golf. The new frontier. <laughs>
have a position like running backs that could be pretty stacked, but there would be other positions where you were worried, man. If that starter went down, you were like, oh, boy, we're going to be in trouble. But here I just feel like another guy's going to be able to plug in and be able to keep this thing rolling. And that, that's certainly the goal. And at quarterback, it feels like you got as good of a guy as they possibly could have gotten in the transfer portal with Keaton Slovis coming off of Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. What have you seen from him offensively on, well, on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, he, it's impressive, man. I mean, the guy comes right in here and I think has picked up um, right where Jaron and, and Zach left off. Honestly, I think the guy can sling it. He's super smart. He runs way better than you think. And so, you know, all the, you know, run game stuff that they've done in the past, it's still there. I don't know if they want me to say that or not. Maybe cut that out now. But, I mean, he's, he's ran the ball on us a couple times, like with QB draws and zone reads, where we're like, man, this guy runs better than we thought. And so just continue to have that weapon. And, and then you have the other guys that came in too as well. I think that, you know, we got three new quarterbacks here, and I don't think we missed on one of them. And I think uh, BYU fans are going to see that all three of those guys throw the ball very similar to the last two guys that were the starters here. Okay, Jay Hill's been very open about the aggressive attacking mindset of this defense. Um, how, how would you sort of characterize, uh, I guess, those words or otherwise, um, kind of what this defense is going to bring to the table this season? Yeah, I think exactly what Coach Hill said. We're going to attack. We're going to be aggressive. And, and today we were working um, – a four-minute situation, meaning we're down as a defense at the end of the game. we got to stop and get the ball back to the offense. So really it's run game and just being the, the style that he was calling it, the aggressiveness of that. And then we had a third down situation the other day and just how aggressive he was in calling that and the success that he was putting our players in position to make plays. And um, different from what I've seen. You know, I've, I've kind of come from a – uh, from schemes where there's a balance of, of different things and different tempos. We're here, there's different tempos, but it seems like there's a lot more aggression. So we'll see how those things continue to be called, even in games. But it seems like, you know, he's come from that, that uh, from that other school where they're, you know, pretty aggressive with the way they call things. And, you know, I know he had that same success at Weber. Um, but just seeing how that all flows in a practice and in a game situation, you can see that this is this is an attacking style defense. We're not going to sit back and let somebody just run on us, right? We're gonna we're gonna make sure that there's there's something in their face as a quarterback, or there's multiple gaps being filled as linebackers or DNs. So you know it's really hard for a running back to be able to find a spot to pick a hole. Okay, we're talking to Kelly Papinga, defensive ends coach uh, on the BYU football team. Okay, let's talk about your group specifically. Who's in the mix and who's making progress this spring? Yeah, so Tyler Batty, uh, consistent. Uh, need to get him to continue to work in his pass rush stuff. I think his run game, he's very polished. He was one of the highest graded PFF players in the country last year uh, in the run game. Now got to get that complemented with a better pass rush. Um, and then Isaiah Bag uh, Bagna coming from Boise State has stepped right in and has fit right in and has been making plays all over the place. And then uh, Nuu uh, Selison, another transfer from Weber State, but he's come right in, guy that played for Coach Hill back in the day, and he's now been here. And he knows the system. He knows the scheme. He's fit right in and done great. And then Ice Moa has done a really good job. And then uh, Blank Bagelsing as well. I would say those five guys. And Bodie Schoonover the last couple of days, man. So I think there's five or six guys right there where I feel really, really comfortable with. And there's some younger guys that need to get healthy and need to develop. But um, And then I'm really anxious to get um, – the daily kid off of his mission, John Henry, um, John Henry yep. because I, I remember seeing him when I was at Virginia and thinking, God, I'd love to have this guy. But, you know, so that guy obviously will be, you know, um, somebody that's going to take some time just coming off a mission. But I think the position is in a really good spot um, with maybe another addition possible. We'll see how that all plays out through the portal and how we think we end up with spring. But I feel I feel really good with the top six guys right now. As the wind picks up here, is the uh, expectation 
that there should be more uh, a higher sack number uh, from what BYU's had in the past. Is that a fair ask, or is it the ball comes out quick sometimes, sometimes you don't get sacks? Yeah, I think in the, this day and age in college football, the ball is coming out so fast, um, especially against teams like us that know that we're going to be aggressive and we're going to attack. And so um, I don't think um, – I, I call them havoc plays. Havoc plays are their sacks, their QB hits, their PBUs, right? All those things fumbles that have, the fumbles, yes, interceptions, like yeah. all those things that affect a quarterback. Those are the things that we're looking for. So people get so hyped up about the sack number where you got to also look at, okay, how many PBUs do we have? Because if we're getting PBUs, that means the quarterback's throwing the ball probably uh, sooner than he ever wanted to. Um, if we're getting, uh, you know, quarterback hits, right? All those things affect the quarterback. Uh, we've got a miniature tornado over I know, here. Being outside, being outside is awesome. We've literally, yeah, we're going to swing it. Look at this thing. <laughs> this is the first mini tornado in BYU Sports Nation history. Uh, doesn't rival the Salt Lake one in the 90s. But, but yeah, it's it's been <laughs> – trying to get back to my focus here. But hey, being outside I was, awesome. just, I, afraid, I was like thinking we were going to be the Wizard of Oz and I was going to be Dorothy <laughs> swept away right there, man. You didn't have enough courage. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I think, you know, as fans, they just got to remember. It's not always about the sack numbers. I do think they'll be bigger because we're going to be attacking more. Different, and it's just different style. But remember, there's always QB hits. There's interceptions. There's PBUs. There's all these other things that affect the quarterback that it's not always comes down to sacks. So I think the fans got to look at the whole picture. I'm just glad we did not see a chariot of fire there and uh, send in flames. That, that was crazy. Kelly, thanks for the time. Yeah, thank you. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. For the Sweet 16 teams, our current or future Big 12 teams in Texas, Houston, Kansas State, and Gonzaga. Mm, yes. Which of these has the best shot at winning the tournament? For me, it's Houston. I feel like Houston has all the motivation they could ever hope for to get home to the site of the Final Four. Houston, why not get to your hometown and play for and win a national championship? I feel like their length and athleticism is just a little bit better than Kansas State and Texas. I think it's the Zags, man. If you can get through uh, UCLA, you have uh, eight seed Arkansas or four seed UConn. Took down uh, St. Mary's, of course, about out in the second to win round. It, so, to win it all. To win it all. Gonzaga's, uh, you know. If, really? If Drew, Drew Timmy is, uh, you know, as good as any player in this tournament. Man, they struggled at times and with they a have six the experience. seed in TCU from the Big 12. So if they got to face somebody tougher seeds, in the Final Four. You just got to win. Yeah. Oh, Do man. seeds matter in this tournament? Like FDU won, Princeton's in the Sweet 16, FAU's in the Sweet 16. Yeah. Well, yeah, in the Sweet 16. I have Kansas State in the title game, so, yeah. Okay, so and you don't, you don't think it's Kansas State with the best shot? Well, we we're talking about to win. Okay. <laughs> to win. I had okay. Baylor winning it all. Yeah. I had, or sorry, I had Kansas State in the Final Four. I had Baylor beating uh, Gonzaga in the title. Okay. And Baylor's in. So there you go. Well, all right. Creighton. How about that? How about BYU? You like the Zags. Beating yeah. Creighton. BYU men's basketball beats Creighton, a Sweet 16 team who were down their best player. But hey, still beat them. Then Creighton beat your national championship pick, Baylor, last night to get to the Sweet 16. So does this in a way mean the Cougars are a transitive Sweet 16 team? Or does it at least increase your hope in some way for next season? No. Uh, hang a banner. 
BYU beat Creighton, who is in the Sweet 16. Hank, transitive Hank, wins are the dumbest thing ever. Um, yeah, what, losers talk about margin and transitive oh, wins. Transitive okay? wins are so dumb. They're but funny, listen, but they're dumb. But listen, they're fun, for sure. Uh, but BYU beat Creighton. That was a great win. Ryan Kalkbrenner, 7-1 center, didn't play in that game. Certainly a big uh, storyline in that one. But, <laughs> but like, that was, that was BYU's best win by far. Um, Creighton takes down three-seed uh, Baylor. Hey, that was that was awesome, man. If only BYU had had a, another win or two, they would have made it in the NIT, which, by the way, brings us to this. Oh, uh, yeah, UVU. Yeah. Uh, fellow New Big 12 homie Cincinnati, mm -hmm. uh, great chili, uh, will be in Orem Wednesday in the NIT quarterfinals Wednesday to play Utah Valley. Yeah. Since you super fan, Bearcat Matt on Twitter put this out. He's Boney Fuller for Cincinnati. BYU peeps. Apparently UC will be playing Utah Valley in a few days in the NIT, so what do we have to do to convince you all to show up at Utah Valley in red and black. Then he realized the flaw in his plan. Yep. I didn't think this one through. BYU fans aren't putting on red. Would you wear Bearcat attire to Utah Valley this week? Even if it was all black, but it said Cincinnati or Bearcat. No. No. In, in fact, I'm actually rooting for Utah Valley yeah. in this. Yeah, go Wolverines. Why not? I love Mark Madsen. I think they have some really fun players to watch. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for Utah Valley to get back to the Orleans Arena and the NIT Final Four. You beat Cincinnati, you're going back to the Orleans. What a privilege. Um, no, I don't wear other team stuff. I'm not a huge fan of that. It's the teams I like and nobody else. I, no, to me, that's disloyalty to <laughs> my teams. I, I don't want to do that, generally speaking. What if there's a certain great player on Utah Valley's team that wants to come play in the Big 12 for BYU, too? Who knows? Everything That's a thing is, that happens. It's free agency, often. people. It's free agency. And I am wearing green today. Not because I was thinking of Utah. Uh, the game's on Wednesday. So we can wear green on Wednesday. I do, I do have green on. For yeah, I would not wear sports. UVU either. <laughs> okay. Neutral. No. White. One time, so back in the day, we did Provo and Tiffu high school games together. Um, really fun with the Kafusis, Collinsworth, so on. By the way, Chris Collinsworth, new head coach of Provo. New high. head coach of Provo. Congratulations. High. We would wear, uh, you know, those colors. They played each other, and I thought I would appease both teams. So I wore a green shirt, no, orange shirt with a green tie. <laughs> both teams hated me. Did they match? You were orange and green, did it match? Not at all, no. <laughs> I wasn't looking to match. I was looking to appease both teams, and they were both ticked were off, both which was hilarious. Go neutral. <laughs> wear black. Yeah. <laughs> BYU football listed as a 15 seed in the ESPN college football bracket, along with the likes of SMU, they beat in the New Mexico Bowl, UTSA, and Syracuse, all 15 seed guys. Hey, Bombina. The bracket makers have the Cougars losing to two seed Tennessee in the first round. Are the Cougars underseeded as a number 15? Well, they might be overseeded uh, because FPI and FEI had them at 64 and 65. So, yeah, you're probably about a. 16 seed there. Metrics aren't everything though yeah. in that regard, right? The selection committee values certain quality wins. BYU beat Baylor. They, they won a bowl hard. game late. They didn't look that hard. <laughs> <laughs> the bracket maker, they don't, get, they don't care. Uh, 15 seed is fair based on what BYU did last season. Good gosh, it's March 20th. We are scrapping. 15 so is ESPN. So is ESPN, clearly. football brackets. They Come did Williams. it. Good for them. Jamal Williams was introduced to the New Orleans media this weekend. He was asked if he was excited to see Taysom Hill again. Here's what he said. Oh. Oh. Taysom? Oh, I can't wait to mess with him. <laughs> it's been too long now, so I can't wait to mess with him. Don't worry. <laughs> Should Taysom be worried? Absolutely. 
More so about the fact that Jamal's wearing an Eevee hat from Pokemon. He explained who Eevee was <laughs> to the media. <laughs> there, there will be some practical jokes for sure. Uh, but frankly, I think Taysom's super excited to have yeah. Jamal back in the mix. Like, yeah. how cool is that? That is wild. You are playing together now in the NFL on the same team and both like contributing like at a high level for your teams, or so we think Jamal will in New Orleans? No, they did co uh, compete for a couple weeks on the same team in the 2017 preseason oh, the Packers. Packers. The Packers? Yeah. This, this is different. But this it's, is different. It's very cool. Yep. Uh, Jamal later was asked if he is willing to eat a New Orleans staple, crawfish. He said he would with this caveat. Crawfish? But I don't want the head on it, though. I can't do it. I'm a little squeamish. Like, it's just the, I don't do well with dead things that are still intact with the head on it. Like, it's looking at me, I could, I just can't do it. But if it's, if somebody do it for me, then I, I'll demolish that thing. <laughs> Can we still frame Jamal's eyes there? That, that was, I, I, I would be squeamish of the same thing. Yeah, do you, do you blame him at all for no. trying, like, the idea I need, of eating I need an entire to be, crawfish? Yeah, entire, like with the head? What are we yeah, talking about here? Yeah. There's no Steve Young, though, who on Monday Night Countdown a couple years ago in Seattle, at, there, there's Jamal's eyes. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Steve Young bit off the head of a raw fish. Yeah, I remember at this. At Pike's Place Market in Seattle. This was like a super weird moment where Steve Young uh, yeah, took care of business there back in 2017. Pretty interesting. Listen, who can blame Steve Young? Here, here it is. I'm a Seahawk! I <laughs> ate Falcons for breakfast! <laughs> oh, oh. Brutal. No, no. Here's why I'm gonna give Steve a pass on this, Jerem. A pass. Because he had just gone through the majority of watching BYU play a four and nine football season. This no, was in November no. of 2017. Yeah, it, it, right. But just go Gollum, go in the middle. Come on. I'd bite the head off of a fish too if I had to walk a, watch a four and nine BYU football season again. Like, I feel that frustration. It was worth it. A lot of frustration. We got, we got Zach Wilson. Coming guys. out in that moment. It was worth it. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. We are live in Studio B. It is Top 5 Tuesday, and we focus in on the Top 5 NCAA tournament runs by BYU basketball teams. Okay, number 5, 2010 men. Second round run. Cougars a 10th seed. Took down Florida and Oklahoma City, winning 99-92. Double overtime, 37 points from Jim Career High. 26 from Michael Lloyd Jr. That's one of the greatest bench performances yes. ever. Cougars lost 84-72 to two-seed Kansas State two days later, but it did put Jimmer on the map a little bit more. He did have 49 at Arizona that year, but this kind of put him in the limelight preseason first-team All-American going into a senior season. Number four, women's basketball in 2002, early in Jeff Judkins' coaching career. Sweet 16 run, first round game as an 11 seed against the six seed Florida. Won by 38, 90 to 52. Aaron Thorne had 28. Mm. The second round, BYU upset the three-seed Iowa State, 75-69. They erased a 13-point deficit in that game. And then the Sweet 16, eventually losing to two-seed Tennessee, 68-57. Number three, women's hoops 2014 to the Sweet 16. BYU a 12-seed, took down five-seed NC State by 15. 
four seed Nebraska by four, then faced top seeded UConn. I said I'd shave my head if you already won this game. That's the original shaved head declaration. It's tied at halftime. I was a little nervous, I'll be honest. <laughs> the Cougars played the Huskies tough in the first half, but lost by 19. Morgan Bailey had 15 and 10 in that game. That was a heck of a run. Jennifer Hampson, by the way, in 2014, Sweet 16 women's hoops here, and then that fall with women's volleyball to the national title game as an unseeded team. Amazing. Incredible season for Jennifer Hampson. Number two, men's basketball 2011 to just their second Sweet 16 ever. 30 and four in the regular season. They earned a three seed, beat Wofford, the 14th seed. In that opening game, Jimmer Fredette scored 32, had seven assists. In the second round, utter domination of the 11 seed Gonzaga right before BYU joined the West Coast Conference. 22 point win, Jimmer had 34, seven threes. Noah Hartsock, I've forgotten this game. 13 points, three of three from the three point line. Then in the Sweet 16, Against the two-seed Florida, BYU loses in extra sessions. Jimmer had 32, held to just three for 15 from the three-point line, but my But goodness. that one gets played every Oh yeah, every Dude. March. Jimmer with the eye of the tiger. <laughs> Hashtag what if Brandon Davies played? And Jimmer's face right there is like, we, we want Brother Spencer Linton to come bear his testimony <laughs> from the pulpit without you knowing like, what? And the greatest March Madness run by a BYU team ever is 1981, Danny Ainge and the Cougs all the way to the Elite Eight. Sixth seed, by the way, third in the whack. You don't have to win the league to be great, right? Multiple NBA players, Danny Ainge, Greg Kite, Fred Roberts, and others beat 11 seed Princeton by nine, three seed UCLA by 23. Mm -hmm. Then the amazing, iconic Notre Dame win, 51-50, thanks to Danny's length of the court layup. Then they lost to Ralph Sampson in top seed Virginia, 74-60. This is the best BYU team of all time. Incredible. Top five Tuesday. Those are good times. Great runs. Here's to the next time BYU is even in the NCAA tournament. Now, women's hoops did it as an 11 and 12 seed. Men's hoops did it as a three and a six. Yep. And had to have the national player of the year to do it. <laughs> I fear that the standard is too high for BYU to get to a sweet 16 to require the national player of the year. One day, BYU can pull off <laughs> an FAU or a Princeton <laughs> Without the National Player of the Year, right? Yeah, right! I was joking with my wife. Listen, all you got to do is wait 30 years and have the National Player of the Year. And you're going That's back to the That's all it takes, That's luckily. all it takes. Very simple formula. For Brigham formula. Young. Very simple formula. <sighs> 30 years, Those National work Player great. of the Year. I just think BYU's had a lot of talent and not enough of those, right, uh, runs. But we certainly hope in the Big 12 those start to happen a little yeah, more regularly. You get more talented. You get uh, weathered more in conference play where you play in those first two sure. rounds. You're like, oh, this is like a Wednesday night in the Big 12. Listen, BYU in 1988, that team that climbed all the way to number, I think it was number two in the country or number three. Two and one poll, poll, three in yeah. the AP. Mm -hmm. You're Michael Smith, Jeff Chapman, Marty Hawes, like, Jer uh, what's, not Jared Jensen. Um, ah, regardless. They were awesome. They were in, Andy Toulson was on yes, that team. That team should have been a sweet 16. Yes. They were that good. Oh, they were they were so yeah. good. That team had the talent without the National Player of the Year to get to a Sweet 16, but they underperformed in the tournament. There are a lot of teams that don't have an All-American that make the Sweet 16, okay? <laughs> Shout out to Princeton. <laughs> 15 seed. BYU can't do that? Come on now. Unbelievable. Join no us for a full day of BYU football on March 31st. All these guys are on scholarships. 
Beginning at noon Eastern time, two-hour BYU Sports Nation Alumni Day special. Then the spring scrimmage is at 5 Eastern and alumni game at 7 Eastern. We're live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium for four straight hours, homies. All on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. And that night, there's a volleyball match as well, by the way. Up next, a rise and shout out to a great ambassador for BYU as a current athlete, no less. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Beginning with Mel Kuyper's top 10 position rankings, they've been updated. And as far as the big three at BYU and the NFL draft are concerned, Blake Freeland has dropped to number 10 in the offensive tackle rankings. Jaron Hall at quarterback and Puka Nakua wide receiver, both outside of Kuyper's top 10 position rankings. Well, hopping! Baseball hosts Utah Valley at 5 Eastern on the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. The Cougars lead the series 34 to nine. Of course, this uh, and softball, which uh, we'll talk about in a second, moved up to avoid weather later today. Speaking of softball, hosting Boise State today, 4 Eastern live on the BYU TV app. I'll be on the call with Jason Shepard. It's a BYUSN edition of softball. The Cougars are 14-6 this season. They've won six straight. Boise State has won seven straight. 13 straight wins between these two teams. It's going to be just one um, of these teams continuing at yeah. later today. Unless they somehow tie, which we don't think will happen. Gymnastics are in the LA Regional beginning next Wednesday afternoon against Boise State. The winner will then compete against UCLA, Missouri, and Stanford, all in the top 20 the next night. Individual all-around competitors from BYU include Sydney Benson, Kylie E. Quinto mm -hmm. on vault, Anissa Alvarado on bars, and Elise Rollins on beam. BYU men's volleyball remains number eight in the latest coaches poll. The AVCA apparently liked the grade eight for BYU. It's been six straight weeks. Cougars 12 and six this season on a bye week, or coming off a bye week, I should say. They host number seven Pepperdine Friday and Saturday at nine Eastern. Yeah, baby. BYU 8-0 at home. So I've, to just been, home I've just been told that the palindrome is technically correct. Okay, you're, you're going to well, learn something here. Well, I, it, is, it is a sphenic palindrome, specifically, <laughs> if you're wondering. A word, phrase, or sequence that reads the same backward as forward. Yeah, it's okay. a five-digit sphenic palindrome. <laughs> I, I love Thank it. Thank you, so Google. <laughs> so much. Thank you. Yeah, remember the movie Frequency? I do. Remember this one, kid? Yahoo. Oh, yeah. Just missed on he that He made one. some big money. <laughs> What's true? In, in that multiverse timeline. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. The main focus, elevating our play so we can be competitive in that league. That's one of the things that was so intriguing about coming to BYU is this transition into the, into the Big 12 is exciting. It is exciting, and it's an, ex an expectations extravaganza, if you will, today. What's Trending presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Jerem, when we discuss expectations, yeah, yeah they, they waver from time to time, but let's put on the blue goggles a little bit today, shall we? Can, can, can you do this with me? Blue goggle alert. All right. Blue goggle alert. Sit. How Blue many wins would it Blue take to exceed expectations for BYU in year one of the Big 12? And let's start on the football side specifically. American football is what we're talking about? Yes. Um, eight would be above. 
because uh, I'm thinking BYU goes two and one in non-conference. That's easy enough. Three and zero would be great. And then like four and five, five and four, right, would get you to six or seven wins. And then you win a bowl game, and uh, you know maybe you get to seven or eight. So okay. eight would be above. Um, I we feel like BYU is more prepared than Utah was, right, to go into a Power Five given the schedules that BYU played. Obviously, therefore BYU needs to do better than Utah did uh, the first couple of seasons. BYU, uh, Utah went eight and five in year one. So BYU needs to be better than eight and five in year no. one. They went five and seven, five and seven. Okay. So first three years, yeah. Can you can you keep your head above five hundred? Um, can you go to bowl games? Can you build up? Can you have a year where you kind of stick out? They had one year, right, at eight and five. We believe that you know. And, and by the way, seven of the next nine after that, Utah had nine plus wins. Seven, and one of those was the COVID year. So you almost throw it out. Like seven of the next eight, essentially full seasons. That's pretty impressive. I would love for BYU to have the success that Utah did in its first mm-hmm. eleven years in the Pac-12. Uh, go to the Rose Bowl twice. Like that's great. Uh, maybe BYU can go to that game and like win that game. Just going to the game would be enough. Let's be honest. So how will I quantify some of the success in that process, right? Because are, are we outcome based or process based here? Um, we're both, but because you have to win. But okay, defensively, what what are we looking at? Okay, last year defensively, 96th in points per play, 96th in yards per play, it's 117th in takeaways, 124th in success rate. Those are the four things I'm looking at. Okay, to tell me how BYU is doing. Those stunk. Okay, it, so obviously be better at those. So what? I don't know. Top 70 in those would be great. Like that level improvement. Granted, you're playing a tougher schedule. Keep that in mind. Offensively, can BYU approximate what they did last year? BYU was really good. Look at these numbers in those same categories. 15th in yards per play. Mm -hmm. 19th in points per play. Again, those take out tempo. Like, oh, 17th. Well, because you played Air Force and Navy. Like, the game was shorter. Whatever. Tied for fifth in giveaways. Um... 17th in success rate. Pierce offense was really good. Like, really good. Don't look at points per game. That Look at points per play, yards per play, those kind of things. Those tell you what's up. BYU had a top 20 offense. They had multiple NFL players on that side of the ball. Hopefully, BYU can be a top 30 offense and a top 70 in some of this stuff defense. And I think uh, that would yield seven or eight wins, Okay. if not more. And again... Just because you pop up with eight and five in year one, remember Utah, take sure. note, five and seven the next two years. What we don't want is just like a flash in the pan year one and then to go away. Uh, we'd like sustained success and at some point to be competing for conference championships. Will that take a decade like it took uh, Utah? We're hoping it takes three to, <laughs> three to seven years, you know, that you can get into that space a little more comfortably and sooner. But that's what... Uh, exceeding expectations would look like to me. The simple answer is eight plus wins. Yeah, it's always going to come down to the win-loss category when sure. we're determining ultimate success. And I've said for a while now, I expect BYU to win seven games and probably lose five. And I've been told a number of times, way too ambitious. Just get to a bowl game. And so I feel like a lot of BYU fans have the baseline expectation of just go six and six and we'll call it good. But I feel like this team is better than 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, I know that they're playing a tougher schedule and they're playing 10 Power 5 teams for the first time ever. But BYU's schedule last year, taking out you know, the fact that they didn't play as many Power 5s as they did in 2021, they still have high-quality Group of 5 opponents that are comparable 
to some of the lower tier teams in a Power 5 conference. I feel like BYU played a pretty comparable schedule last year to what they will face next year. It's a little bit harder. Just didn't have the lowly Pac-12 to beat up from, t- from 21. <laughs> Pac-12 got way better in 22. Like if BYU sure. had played those same teams in 22, there's, there's, maybe BYU goes 3-2. Right? Apparently it was COVID's fault for all of that. Okay? Take what you will from that. But 7-5 and five is my expectation. So exceeding expectations means BYU's going 8-4. and four. And I feel like, awesome. okay, maybe okay. that's too much. Maybe that's too much. So maybe it should just be, okay, they go 7-5 and five and they win a bowl game. And they're 8-5. and five. If BYU goes 8-5 and five and they manufacture the same exact record that they had last year with a tougher schedule as a Power 5 team, then yeah, just in the win-loss category, by nature alone, that is exceeding expectations. So seven and five, win a, just get to eight, including the bowl game. That is exceeding expectations. Six and six, I'd be fine with. You go to a bowl game, great. You di- just don't miss out on a bowl game. I feel like this team has too much talent. Keaton Slovis is too talented a quarterback. He's got too many weapons on offense. There's enough returning on the offensive line. BYU should be able to find a way to win six games. I like the idea that 7-5 and five would also probably have to mean that BYU has a winning record in conference. They could go 3-0 in non-con and go 4-5 and five in Big 12 play and still finish 7-5, and five, but I'm inclined to believe that 7-5 and five would probably mean 2-1 and one in non-con and 5-4 and four in the Big 12. A winning record in the Big 12 in year one sounds really nice. I want to add to your takeaways number, and I like your numbers breakdown because BYU just did not create enough havoc. You talked about that with Kelly Papinga. BYU had 15 sacks last year, and I know that sacks are not like as important as we maybe pay attention to, but 15 sacks, Jerem, was 130th in the country last year. There was only one team that had fewer sacks than BYU, and it was pre Deion Sanders, Colorado who had nine, and they were abysmal on defense. 15 sacks, 130th in the country. BYU can be better than that. And creating more havoc. Takeaways at 117. I'm with you. I am looking specifically at the defensive side of the ball. And if we're looking at Bill Connolly's SP Plus projections, I think he had BYU in the low 90s going in, if not high 80s. It's moved a little bit. BYU's got to be top 70 in that. Like, give me top 70 defensive efficiency SP plus projection, and that starts, I believe, with takeaways and sacks. You just have to have more havoc rate. That would be exceeding expectations, thus leading to more wins. Let's go. If anyone can find havoc rate nationally in the ratings, let me know. I can't can find we, can it. Can we find create it? it? Well, I'm, How I, would we create that? You can manually do it. I don't want to manually do it. <laughs> Topic two. Same question for men's hoops. How many wins would it take to exceed expectations next year? Oh, man. I, I, six and 12 in the Big 12, uh, 17 and 15 overall. Maybe, maybe that's too ambitious, but I, I believe that Mark Pope's going to be able to go and find some pieces this year, guys specifically that were denied a chance to play in a Power Five conference that feel like they're awesome. Maybe they've gone to a smaller conference and excelled and been amazing. Can BYU afford them? An Antoine Davis type at Detroit Mercy. Like, can BYU go and find that guy with the caveat that now you get to play in the best conference in America. BYU was still playing in the West Coast Conference last year. They were And the selling point 
for a one-and-done guy like Rudy Williams is, ah, yeah, we're going to the Big 12, but this is it in the West Coast Conference. Do you think Rudy would be excited about having the prospect coming back the and going 12. back to the Big 12, but as a senior? There's going to be a few more, I feel, big players, big personalities that are going to help BYU and come and can be an immediate leader. But to your, your point, can BYU afford that type of player? I feel like there will just be more options than BYU had last year. So, yes, BYU will be able to afford somebody that's a tier B-plus, A-minus type player that can come in and impact the team right away uh, just because of the Big 12 alone. So 17-15, and 6-12 <laughs> and 12 in the conference, if you're above 500. Are you including Kansas City or no? Get that to 31. That would be the number. Is it? Uh, we don't know how many games there will be. Is it? Oh, does it have to be 31 games? If you play an MTE, it's 31. Okay. So does the NCAA mandate that, by the way? I didn't realize that yeah, it's it 30, has it's to be 31, 31 games. Well, it depends if you're playing an MTE. Yeah. If okay. you don't, then I think it's 30. Okay. Yeah. Well, regardless, okay, 17. BYU will play in an MTE. 17 and 14, 6 and 12 in conference. That would mean you'd have to go, oh gosh, 11 and 2, two in non con. But maybe you just super lighten up the non con. Uh, build chemistry with your team, get those new guys in position, figure it out, and then and get into the Big 12. But I believe that the Marriott Center will have the magic next year. Every game's going to be huge. And I, I don't think that you know some BYU fans are giving that enough credit. It's going to be tough for some Big 12 teams to come in here, and BYU's going to sneak a few wins away because of the Marriott Center. They'll have to do what they didn't do this year, which is win those big games. Lost both by one. St. Mary's and Gonzaga, but traditionally BYU clips at least one of those guys uh, at home, and now you have an opportunity against uh, the majority of them. You're going to play nine Big 12 home games, and seven of those are going to be probably against teams that are in the top yeah. 40 or 50 in net. There's quad ones and twos every game. Well, if you want to talk I, about a metric, let's start with three-point shooting, Jerem. It's going to be better for the team, and it has to be. Sure, I hope so. Trevor Nell will help that by himself. I, I say above 500 overall okay. is good. Okay. <laughs> just we're about to go into uh, the, the just the toughest thing BYU's ever done in sports. So is, is your expectation is Big Twelve men's hoops? Is it five hundred and then exceeding? Is anything five hundred overall? And then on like if BYU can get to six wins in league, honestly, I'm keeping it super low. One because we don't know what BYU has from a roster standpoint. Two, BYU's on a four-year slide down. Hopefully they can slide up. That can quickly things can change quickly. Climb back Perhaps up. Perhaps BYU men's basketball does that. And then uh, three is, yeah, in the Big 12, we just don't know exactly what it's going to be like. The, the fewest amount of teams, one, uh, any of the 10 played this year against top 25 teams, was 13 games. 13 games! This year, I believe BYU played seven of those, uh, five of which came in the WCC. So um, in non-con, I think BYU needs to go and do what they did. Listen, for as, as many issues as this year's team had, they went 10-3 and three in non-con. And they played a couple of challenging games, right? Utah and Creighton and Butler and, and Dayton and whatnot. Um, yeah, if you can go 10-3 and three in non-con and somehow get to 6-12 and 12 in 16 league, and 15 overall? Hey, I'd, I'd take it. Because men's basketball is not as ready as football is. And the league's harder. So those two things are difficult. Right now, men's basketball at the base of Everest, as Mark Popa said, they certainly understand the climb that is the challenge next. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America. 
the official credit union of BYU Athletics. This program is on demand. You can download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps, which you're going to need to watch softball and baseball today, of course. And uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast version of the show. It's all free. It's all free. Free 93. I think all we want is an email for the uh, apps. So there you go. Our question of the day. How many wins would it take next season for BYU football or basketball or both, if you want to answer both, to exceed expectations in year one of the Big 12. Blaine Swallow on Instagram says, I'd say eight wins in football, 18 wins in basketball will mm. be beyond my expectations for year one, although I usually aim higher as the season gets closer. We all kind of do that, right? It's like, hey, maybe... Uh, Go through fall camp. Oh, this player looked amazing. Maybe that's worth one more. Means win. they'll be an all-one-player, one win. That's really high. <laughs> Quarterback. Unless that name's Keaton Slovis. Yeah. Yep. Caleb Hatch on Instagram. The dream would be a perfect 12 and out. Okay, Caleb. Thanks, man. Uh, however, playing at least eight games would exceed expectation. Thank you. Back down to earth here. For basketball, being 500 in conference would exceed expectation. You just never know. Ah, we kind of know. Uh, going into next year, you know. Um, My mind just exploded at the thought of 12 and 0. I'm, I am numb. <laughs> B, T, suddenly, BYU's TCU from last year? Is that, is that what we're saying? That, that would be unbelievable. Listen, maybe BYU surprised us, but how, how many times has BYU surprised us in that way? Um, 96. Uh, 83 was, uh, 84 was a surprise. Um, 96 yeah. was a surprise. 01 was a surprise. Um, 06, we kind of saw coming. That team was on the verge. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the best teams in BYU history. 08 started 6-0. Was that a surprise or no? Was that because No, because you're coming off 11-2, 11-2. Hall, Colley, Pitta, Albeck, yeah. Unga. No, no, no. We ex- yeah, we, that one was expected. 08? Quest for perfection. The expectation, expectation was perfection. Um, yeah. Let's, let's, 12-0 would be nice. That'd be great. Massive blue goggles. Like, the biggest ever. How, unexpected? 2020 was unexpected. How about that? In um, a number of ways. The whole year? Yes. 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 Uh, In a number of ways. Didn't expect a pandemic. Our elite voice of the day, presented by PAX, Healthcare Elevated. Ben Peterson says, if either team has a winning record, <laughs> that would exceed my expectations. Wow, either team. It's true. They're about to make a difficult transition, and yep. I will not be surprised if it takes some time for adjustment. Let's allow that. Let's allow that. Yet, have a high expectation, for sure. It's BYU. We expect to win. Just a winning record. Just a winning we just record. don't know how tough it's going to be to raise that bar, right? Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Can we give it to Cody Epps, who was recently featured on a podcast? And he just he's just a great ambassador for BYU yes. football. And not just, like, it's one thing to do it as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which he is not, okay? And he's an African-American athlete. Like, Cody yeah. Epps, there's a place for everyone. I love what he said and how he portrays himself. Laced Up Podcast. Laced Up Podcast, Laced up. yes, thank you. Our thanks to today's guest, Blaine Fowler. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, ran out of time. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Jim Yusevich. The BYU Devotional is next, featuring Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Stay tuned and go Cougs. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Cam Newton, never heard of him, announced he will participate in Auburn's Pro Day in an attempt to get back in the league. Which former BYU player should compete at Pro Day on Friday for another shot at the NFL? This one is, uh, I struggled with this one because I'm trying to think like who could actually benefit the most from a good Pro Day? And we've seen him do it before, but the name I keep coming back to is a guy like a Hifo. 
Uh, is there somebody better that could like benefit more than a Leva Hifo from a scenario like that? Jokingly, Zach Wilson. Um, <laughs> I wish Zach, and I said this at the time, <laughs> he didn't, he hasn't overcome Jets, right? And, and he needs to play better as well, but I wish he'd mailed it in a little. Then he would have gone to the Niners and maybe his fortune's very different. Kind of Kua is bouncing oh, around the lake. Okay, Kai could be okay. interesting. Bronson Kafusi is another name. Here's the name. Here's the name. Jordan Leslie had a couple moments in preseason camps and whatnot. Like, I know he's training um, guys now. I don't know if he is in that shape, but like if he was, it's like, oh, could he stick somewhere? Like he was an interesting receiver. Knowing Jordan, he's probably still in phenomenal yeah. shape. It's been six years, so it's been a minute. And he's comparable to Cam Newton. He's a little younger than Cam Newton. Like Corbin Kafusi at lineman? Like Corbin has officially retired from football. Until Friday when he <laughs> shows up in Pro Day. When he comes back. I like the Kainakua one, though, but yeah, yeah. May, maybe, does Kai need it, though? Because I, I feel like he's, he's got on enough teams. stock, yeah. right? Yeah. But I like Bronson Kafusi. I think that's that, that's a fun option. Yeah. Bring those guys back. Let's go. 24-7 uh, Sports has released a list of the most intimidating atmospheres for a particular team to enter in the 2023 college football season. So which of the road venues on BYU's schedule would you consider the most intimidating for the Cougars this upcoming season? I know BYU's had success there, obviously, in 2014, but at Texas, just big-time college football. Just there, have right? Taysom run out the flag and zero intimidation Royal exists. Stadium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. None of these guys on the team participated on those teams, right? So this would be a new experience, new for the staff. Um, only, what, Kelly Papinga was on the staff for that team. So, yeah, this would be brand new. Yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. But I think BYU has played such a tough non-conference schedule in Independence that I don't know that BYU is intimidated by anything. Mm. I think they're used to going into some of the big, amazing, traditional venues with great teams and going in competing and sometimes winning that game at USC, at Texas, at Wisconsin, and so on. So, yeah, I mean, when you go 100K, that's just oh, gonna man. be like man. a big time atmosphere, right? Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium and the SEC are, I feel, going to be the most intimidating atmosphere that BYU walks into. And it probably plays into where that game falls in the schedule too. BYU, after playing Sam Houston State and Southern Utah, now have to venture into SEC country and take on a stadium that's 90,000 plus and the rate, or sorry, 75,000 plus. But BYU is probably going to be 2 0. But it's just a different beast. The SEC is just a different, it's like a religion. It matters there in more, does it not? You know, grown men with pig noses going to be interesting. They also have to avenge Parley P. Pratt, just saying. Hey, BYU yeah. men's volleyball has been ranked eighth for six straight weeks. What do the Cougars have to do to climb in the polls? Beat Pepperdine. Pepperdine is number seven. If BYU can at least split and then maybe do so in convincing fashion. So let's say they beat Pepperdine in four and then they lose in five, then flip-flop those teams and BYU's number seven. You pick up another critical MPSF win. You sweep Pepperdine at home, which this team is certainly capable of. They can do it. It'll be then, a good matchup. Then yeah, you're gonna for sure jump in the rankings. You always ain't no at home, haven't lost. Certainly a huge test uh, coming up against Pepperdine, toughest team that the BYU will have hosted. Yes, the top five are super solid. Penn State, UCLA, Hawaii, Grand Canyon, Long Beach State. I don't see those five kind of moving the rest of the season. Then it's Irvine and Pepperdine. BYU can get into the seventh spot. Didn't BYU like you said. split with Irvine? They did. 
Yeah. yeah. But Irvine, Irvine's overall resume better than BYU's at the moment. Just beat Pepperdine. Win both. Awesome. Win both. And then it's, you're, fight, you're fighting for the three seed, really, behind UCLA and Grand Canyon, who's had a tremendous year. Just one loss all year. Two Pepperdine, BYU by the way. had their moments against Grand Canyon, too. UCLA is kind of at another level. Yeah. BYU didn't have its starting setter, Heath Hughes. Great point. In both Great point. Those, uh, matches. What are the odds that both BYU softball and baseball actually get their games in today with the crazy weather that's I, been around? I'd say it's pretty high. They moved them up to get them in. Um, I would think it's like 80% that they get both in. Yeah, I'd say yeah. even higher. I feel like the crazy weather is not supposed to hit until 4 or 5 p.m. And so, yeah, I go 85, 90%. Yeah. They need games. It won't be comfortable. 41 degrees, a little bit will in the press box for you guys. It's very true. Uh, Kevin Harlan's call the Furman final seconds over Virginia is the latest in a trend of putting a camera on the broadcasters while they make a call. Would you like to have a camera on you during the call to replay later on social media? I don't know how I feel about this. It's a, it's a little weird. Like, it's fun, <laughs> but then, like, oh, gosh, like, what? Because you're so lost in the moment sometimes. Like, what, what do I look like? I look like a weirdo. Uh, yeah. My resting broadcast face is very odd. <laughs> I So I go back, because I'm calling softball today, I was thinking about that this morning. Last year's BYU-Utah softball game. When, I would love to see what you, with your arms flailing. Yes, and when, the, when the Cougars went <laughs> down, they gave up a grand slam. Utah's up two runs going in the bottom of the seventh, and then Hunter Ava and Martha Epinesa walk it off in dramatic fashion, that rivalry game. I probably was losing my mind. So I was like, I wonder what I looked like that moment. Probably an idiot, but it's okay. We look like idiots every day on this very program. So I don't see the difference, but uh, yeah, that could be fun. I mainly want to see- Do you have a moment? Like maybe for men's volleyball when they erase that crazy deficit to UCLA? 2013 MPSF semifinals, yes. That is <laughs> the greatest match I have called in my life. It was awesome. Man. What they, were they it's down seven to two or something? They were something? down 2 and then in the third set, it was like, yeah, it was like, 11 to 2. Oh, 11 to no, 2. No, it was nuts. Oh, it was, gosh. It might have been less than that, but it sounds better if I say 11 to 2. <laughs> if you dig the long ball, and I know you do, watch Austin Deming and the BYU baseball team. He leads the WCC in homers, by the way, 7 on the year. They host UVU tonight, 5 Eastern on the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Up next, our top 5 BYU NCAA tournament runs. We'll reveal them next. You know Juddy's teams are going to have a say in this. This is BYU Sports Nation. <sighs> The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. They call him El Presidente. Who does? Shane Reese. Named the 14th president of Brigham Young University. We were reminded yesterday of his incredible impact on literally thousands of statistics students and just students in general. As the academic vice president, he was an analytics guy for sure by nature. He turned down a job with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Jerem, why is President Reese, along with you know turning down a job for the Philadelphia Eagles, knowing he's in the sports community, a big deal for BYU Athletics as the new president. I can't speak to the academic part. That's for everybody else here. But we talk about athletics on this program, certainly. He is, first off, a big BYU sports fan. He has uh, athletics uh, in mind, obviously, being in the administration. Um, but he's, he's a fan of BYU sports. He wants BYU sports. 
to be uh, as, as good as they can. He will be the president when BYU enters the Big 12. That's a big deal. Also, yeah. in a couple of years, whenever the time is, he will be uh, you know, part of the team that selects the new athletic director whenever Tom Homo's done. I don't see Tom here for another 10 years. You know what I mean? Maybe it's one, two, three. I don't know how much time Tom has left, but whenever Tom's done um, and Tom has earned you know, the right to be here basically as long as he wants, it feels like. He's a legend. That, that uh, President Reese, Shane, which to me, Shane, he's in my stake, my stake presidency, he will be part of the group that picks the next guy. So he's got some really important um, decisions uh, to make here and obviously is in those Big 12 conversations coming up. And uh, as we learned, you know, he and Gil Fellingham in the stats department worked with the BYU volleyball teams, United States volleyball, yes, Andy Reid yes. when he was with the Eagles. Um, you know, Sister Worthen uh, mentioned in her conversation yesterday in the devotional that, hey, Shane likes to predict what the score will be. Yes, he's, a, he's an analytics guy. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, from the BYU athletics front, he cares about what happens with BYU sports. And I can tell you this, he gets it. Not everyone gets it, but uh, he is uh, as good of a choice, I think, as they possibly could have had. We, we heard some rumblings that there might be a new president. Um, you know, Shane's been in the administration as the academic vice president. I could not be more excited because I know Shane, and I just think he's a great fit, and BYU's in great hands starting on May 1st when he takes over. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say he's president Moneyball. That's a great movie, and uh, he, he's going to believe strongly in the numbers. And Except BYU have a bigger budget than the A's <laughs> with the $50 million in the TV contract, up to 50 So, side story, for whatever reason, I often end up on many of the same flights as President Reese and his wife, Wendy. In fact, we have a running joke going because there were a couple of flights this year where I was, first one, I was putting my bag in the overhead compartment, and one of the Delta flight attendants was like, sir, sir, sir. There's room up here. There's room up here. And I was like, okay, apparently it's a big deal that I don't put my bag here. And so... <laughs> like, no, I want it here! Every, every time they Roll see me, now, they're like, sir, we have a problem with your luggage. Uh, we're we're going to need you to, to move that again. And so that's become uh, <laughs> a running joke at the Reese's because we travel a lot together. But I can tell you this, every interaction I've had with them, whether it's on a plane or off or at a game, has always been greeted with like the warmest smile and such an enthusiasm for BYU sports. I don't know how that translates to BYU athletics specifically. I feel like it's a good thing, like because they are huge BYU sports fans, and they will be ultra supportive of BYU's push into the Big 12. But you brought up the number one thing that's going to happen early in President Reese's tenure as the 14th president at Brigham Young University, and that is he's going to have to be heavily involved in the hiring of a new athletic director. That's at the top of the list. Who's the guy that will take over for Tom Homo? And these aren't just, I mean, President Reese talked about filling in for huge shoes, taking over for President Worthen. Whoever takes over for Tom Homo is replacing the guy that brought in Dave Rose, brought in Bronco Mendenhall, ushered BYU out of a dark age in football and basketball, in a way, and got them back to prominence, then ventured into independence and got BYU into a Power 5 scenario. Like, this isn't just any decision. This This is a huge task to find the right guy to lead BYU now that we're venturing into Power 5 status, and President Reese is going to be heavily involved in that. That's, that is 
top of the list. And and whenever Tom's done, right? That could be in a couple years still. But, I don't want um, Tom to leave for a long time, but I, I kind of feel at like some point he will. He's he's earned the right to rest. It's he's been through so I, much. I would hope Tom gets a couple years in the Big Twelve, just kind of see BYU in that, oh, right? You've worked so hard to get yes. to that point. Yes. Um also he'll be the guy that figures out what we're what we're doing with Provo High. Because Right now, it's the old high school still where you and I called games at BYU. I've got grand visions for that property. I would love for there to be a football-specific complex or another – wait, isn't the SAB already that? I'm talking like a facility that, like basketball, they can use whenever they want. Right now, they cannot. They use it when they want, but there's also intramurals and golf in there. Can we just have one facility for that? Yeah, football-specific indoor Football-specific indoor – or you make another one that's for everybody else. Because football, I'd love for them to just click-clack their way across that intersection right into that facility, and then they're good. Or build a state-of-the-art one, because now that one is good, but it's 03. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, 23, right? It's 20 years old. 20 years old, typically, you got to make some renovations, you know? Um, by the way, they do have new lights in the IPF, which don't buzz as much. That's a big deal for us when we go and record <laughs> stuff, because like, like a bunch of just wasps up in the corner while we're recording something. Shane Reese is going to do great work at BYU. Very excited about him. Um, and obviously campus is growing a ton. We've got a new music building. The Harris Fine Arts Center is yeah, coming yeah. down. Like, There's a lot going on always. It's crazy to see the demolition of that building. I know. I got some uh, raw feelings the yes. other day walking by that because uh, we used to shoot True Blue. I'm sitting there with Holly Rowe as a student shooting True Blue in the basement there. Um, yeah, some, some really exciting stuff with Shane Reese. But, yeah, super excited. Great selection. Mm. Um, excited to see him uh, here at BYU is the next president. Maybe we buried the lead because I got a buddy that you know as well, Corey Oshimura, who's a huge yeah. BYU fan, lives in Tokyo. He got a parking ticket, President Reese, when he was here on a recent visit. Um, I'm going to try and have uh, you clear that up for him. <laughs> What's your first order of business? He lives in Tokyo. <laughs> clear up this parking ticket. All right, now to topic two. All right, a year from now, who will be BYU's best NFL prospect? We think a year ahead. We're not like, oh, this year's draft? We're, pa- we're past that. Uh, next year's NFL prospects. I'm inclined to say Kingsley Suomata'ia because BYU is now in back in the offensive lineman pipeline to the NFL game. Left tackle specifically. Brady, yes, exactly. With uh, Brady Christensen, now Blake Freeland, and... We think Kingsley's probably going to slide over to the left side. No, that's in Sharpie. Yeah, okay, yeah, like yeah. that. That's, no, that's, that's not a question. Right? Yeah. BYU is really good protecting the blind side of their right-handed quarterbacks with great left tackles. So my immediate response is Kingsley Suomata'ia. I would love for it to be somebody else because Kingsley's firm. If, if it's somebody else that's the top prospect, they've had an unbelievable season, and I think it can be one of two guys specifically. Either Isaac Rex or Keaton Slovis. This is the contract year for Keaton Slovis. He's a free agent after his final year in college at BYU. We've talked to John Beck about this. He feels like BYU is the place where he can once again display in full health with a healthy shoulder what he can do because he was flying up draft boards after his freshman season at USC. And yeah, yeah he, after a lot of BYU. He was going to be a top three quarterback <laughs> drafted. Okay, and then things kind of just spiraled, pun intended, down for Slovis. Arm it, soreness, uh, yeah. system, yeah, didn't work out. Didn't work out at Pitt. Yep. 
Lost the opportunity to throw to a I'm talking to Pop SC that second, second year, yeah. too. Kind of got hurt. Jackson Dart's kind of emerging there. New coach comes in. He's year. like, yeah. okay, I guess I'm going to leave. And Caleb Williams wins the Heisman at USC under Lincoln Riley. And so now Keaton Slovis has worked his way into Pro Bowl. But I feel like he's all in. And he is a guy that could go from off the NFL draft radar, at least draft pick radar, and work his way into a sure thing draft pick if he has a good season at BYU, especially yeah. helping BYU in the Big 12. So if it's not Kingsley Suamatia, I think it's probably going to be Keaton Slovis. Isaac Rex is another guy who was on Mel Kuyper's you know, top 10 tight ends board at one point. Then he went through a significant injury. Didn't really implement himself into a major part of the offense last year. He, he was playing hurt the whole time. Yeah, he it, he it probably came back too early, but to his credit, he wanted to play, and he was a leader in that way. But he was not 100%. He, the, frankly, he was getting shot up to practice, and he'd get limited reps. He's a just, warrior, He man. was doing what he could do. Isaac's incredible. Like, behind the scenes, you don't know, but I'm just telling you, we, we know. He was not 100%. No, and I think it's okay to go there now. Like, yes, it's okay to go there now. He is going to be 100% when the season starts. Yeah. I can't wait to see what a healthy Isaac yes. Rex does. He's going to be able to run a little better. Yes, with yep. a quarterback that specializes in short to intermediate throws and implements the middle of the field with the tight end I, I, more. I'm going to say it again. Dallin Hulker uh, transferred too early. Um, he would have been a huge uh, weapon Part in this of, offense. Yeah, the BYU but, offense. But obviously, you know, uh, Dallin wanted a different experience. Who do you got at number one? Kingsley, no, no question. Um, number two, so basically we're asking who's number two. My hope is that Keaton's number one. Mm-hmm. But like, that's the hope, and that uh, Kingsley would be too. He's had an amazing season. What if, if Aiden, Ro- Aiden Robbins goes for like 1,300 yards, and the NFL prospects just start drooling over 6'3, 230? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know what his speed is. Hopefully it's like 455 or something, where it's like, hey, for a guy that big, that's pretty incredible. This is QBU, uh, again, to some degree, if Keaton can get drafted. And if Jaron's uh, drafted. We're hoping, yeah, you can go three left tackles in a row, three quarterbacks in a row. Now we're talking. If you told me, okay, what besides quarterback is the position that you want to be, BYU to be great at, I would say left tackle more than any other yeah, spot. Offensive line because, in general. Yes. Well, left, no, left tackle specifically. Like Blindside taught us the value of that, right? Um, the book and the movie. Um, left tackle specifically. Then I would say running back, right? BYU's got some guys that they're excited about. Eddie Heckard could have a year where he was told, hey, we need some more film from you. And in the Big 12, he'll have opportunities to defend in the pass, to defend in the run game, to get a couple of picks. Malik Moore could be interesting. Don't forget about Connor Pay, who was the number one graded, um, what was it, pass blocker for centers yep. in the country by PFF. Isaac Rex is a great one. I think a healthy Isaac Rex could be like a, a day three kind of pick guy. Can BYU get a defensive lineman picked in Tyler Batty or Isaiah uh, Banya? That would be nice, too, to where one of those guys has such a great year that they are a late-round pick. I don't care what round with anybody on defense at this point. Ben Bywater, Max Tulick could be interesting. Max is a little light, I think, for the NFL. He's more safety kind of features, and I'm not sure he's fast enough. But at linebacker, perhaps he could work his way into an undrafted free agent well, spot. Tyler Batty is another guy that's played hurt most of his BYU career that people just don't know about it. He's played hurt the majority of healthy. his BYU career. Yeah. Let's get him healthy. Let's give him Sione Puha as a defensive line Let's coach. Let's get him a different. See what happens. Let's get him a different scheme that maybe highlights his um, skill set a little better. And obviously, he's got to develop in a way within them. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. 
hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton. Oh. To my left sits Jerem Jordan. And just across the way in the Cougar Council Room is former NFL and BYU running back Fui Vakapuna. The countdown to the alumni game. Fui, welcome to What's the up, show. Fui? Hey, how art thou? <laughs> We're good. He, who was it? Uh, uh, you know, Joe Smith rolls up to Kirtland and says, Thou art the man. Uh, who was it? I can't remember who it was. Joe, I can't remember. How art thou? Thou art the man. <laughs> you are great. We need, to, we need to figure that out. Okay. Look at our crack research team on that. Okay, Google. Okay. Someone okay. Google it. Someone Googling it behind the scenes. Uh, Fui, back for the alumni game, man. Yeah, yeah. Greatest. Alumni game ever. Yeah, it, it really was. was. It was pretty oh. incredible last yeah. year. How do you how do you top that? <sighs> More fans, ten thousand fans. Good answer. You know? Well, it's yes. coming right after the scrimmage. I think yeah. a lot of people will stay, right? Yeah, six thousand. Hopefully, ten thousand. Right. <laughs> come out and watch it. It's yeah. gonna be fun. It's it's such a fun environment and atmosphere. Uh, last year, how much of a role did you have, and how is that going to evolve into this year's alumni game? You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm a cheerleader, water boy. You know. Uh, <laughs> pick them up and uh, celebrate and I'll, I'll be the, hopefully the one lifting whoever's catching the, you know, <laughs> the game winning the, the score. Game -winning score. <laughs> um, will we have anyone defect to the other team like Reno did last year? You switched teams yeah, mid game. Yeah, that, that was, was a, that was a Reno moment. That's a Reno <laughs> moment. You know, it, it, it happens, but he's so versatile, you know, uh, we didn't think he was that versatile. Yeah. That's what we learned. He was that, was, that versatile. That was unique. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite part of the whole game last year? Man, being, being with the brothers, that, that was awesome from beginning to end, talking, catching up, uh, cracking jokes, just the, the, the whole works, right? Uh, they, they, they brought that environment, Jack the Mooney, Billy, John, all those guys, they, yeah, Kalani, they, the, the whole, it, it was fun. It, it was great to, to, to reunite and, and get back, and get back to, to, see, to see Max too. So, man, he was just looking like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? There, like just, I know. Man, you're Jack, bro. I know, and he was locked in on the field too. He came with a plan. Well, yeah, he's, he's still with it, right, as an offensive coordinator? Yeah. He's see, still in the game. He's throwing. He's, yeah. he's, he's scripting plays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, Will Snowden was locked in too. He brought his own plays. Obviously, he's got a lot yeah. going on with his family in, yeah. in football. But yeah, who 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 was the guy that took it the most serious last year? Man, you know, I, I would say in general the linebackers. <laughs> you know, you, you get the like, you, we you get a catch. Offense. I guarantee you, like you see the highlights just at you know at the end, a little you know little oh. Brian and Wani, just little. <laughs> You know, elbow right, right after the catch. shivered. Like, 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 yeah, right. like, it's man. black football. It gives us a, another week of aches and pains. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll blame the, the, the linebackers. Yeah, thanks for that. I'll be feeling that for the next two months. David Nixon, get off me. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, what's the best part about an opportunity like this? And, and how does this help BYU football moving forward, just as a whole product, to have a game like this? You know, it, it, it's, uh, it's home away from home, right? You, you get to, you get to uh, uh, feel a, a sense of belonging, a sense of brotherhood, a sense of uh, a, a love and camaraderie, and then to, to uh, 
get back to uh, feeling the fans and uh, seeing your uh, your kids. I have a son, so to shout out to Robbie wherever you are. <laughs> but uh, uh, to to have them watch us, uh, that you know, just bringing that sense of of uh, home away from home, blood, sweat, and tears on that field and. And to to us players, I think it's a it's 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 a sacred. Mm. Yeah, it's really special, and you know it's 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 not a game, but there's like a little piece of that that feels like it, like the competitive juice start flowing yeah. for you guys. Yeah. The intros are fun. Obviously, the finish last year was crazy, but we do want to flash back to one play in your career that we just really like that we want to hear oh, you describe. Man. Yeah. Oh, Against yeah. Tulsa, <laughs> if people went to this game. It was like the lightning delay. It was like oh. weird. Um, Okay, you had this run where you just refused to be tackled. You oh. and Curtis that day. Yeah. Curtis had a crazy run, too. Flash back to this moment against Tulsa and tell us what you remember from this run. This was incredible. Oh, man. Um, was it fourth quarter? Yes. Last, last yes. few seconds? Yes. I, I was just, uh, you know, backing up Curtis. That's really what I was doing. And I was just trying to, uh, you know, f- find a way to uh, You're caught for a four-yard loss right there. Three. Yeah. Four. That. Five. Six. I, was, I guess I was led by the spirit, the lightning, and all that. <laughs> it was raining so hard. It was yeah. crazy. And, and the rain continued this moment, and people were going absolutely bonkers. Yeah, that was. When this was happening. Look, yeah, seven look and at and Dallas, like Ray. We saw Dallas this week. Oh, He's still man. Looking, yeah. uh, looking strong. This yeah. was your beast mode moment. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I didn't get that touchdown, but, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thankful. <laughs> I'm thankful I had the opportunity. <laughs> Are you still in the same physical shape you were, you were when you were, we had you that know, run right now? No. <laughs> I, I, man, I, it hurt. I could see all the, the hurt in there, and, uh, but, it, you know, I'm, I'm just humbled. It just, oh, man. Looking back, I'm, like, humbled right now. Yeah. That, was, that was a fun time. <laughs> you may um, have lost a tenth or two in your 40, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Little story time. Five, one, two. <laughs> one, of, one of my best friends, Justin McClellan, on his mission in Cincinnati, he said you bought him groceries one day. Oh, man. Which is, you're just, I know you're a nice guy, but I just want to shout you out. You just bought the oh. missionary's groceries. <laughs> you're, you're like, a, you know, a, a draft pick to the Bengals, trying to yeah. make it on hard knocks yes. and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, you hooked the missionaries up. You, you love the missionaries. Yeah, I, I definitely do. They, they, that's, the, that's, that's definitely the blood flow of the church and uh, the missionaries out there doing the work. I'm, I'm thankful for what they do, for mm. sure. You're like his favorite player. Yeah? yeah, man, I need to buy more groceries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to get a, a former BYU guy back on the Bengals. They're my jam, oh, Fooey. We had I, DC, I Daniel Coates, you know, and you on the team. Yeah, we were there. It was fun. It was fun. It was good times and uh, got to get to the playoffs over there one time. And that was, you know, uh, got to play with some great players, uh, T.O., Chad, Ocho, and Carson. Mm. Um, man, Ray. Domitop Peckle. Yeah, good good guys. <laughs> you're, you're now with the Office of Belonging. Yes. This is kind of a new thing the last the couple years, right? The Office of Belonging, yes. The, the Office of Belonging. <laughs> no, yeah. Office, yeah. Um, what, what are you guys up to? Obviously, um, you're trying to make sure everyone feels uh, like they belong at BYU. That's yeah. super important right now. What are you guys up to? Yeah, so uh, we're just trying to push out the mission of, uh, of the office, right, is uh, we're united uh, together. Uh, we're, Common primary identity is that we're all children of God, right? And so one of our uh, main goals is to bring a sense of belonging to, to BYU. And I help uh, Vice President uh, Carl Hernandez with that. And, and uh, it's awesome uh, for him to let us kind of 
run the run the show over there and and help out uh, from a university based community based small groups and individuals so mm. however we can help out and 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 bring uh uh, bring family. I think that's what it comes down to. And I always say that home away from home and uh, bring a sense of family and uh, to BYU for, for the overall campus. Uh, hopefully we get to attain those things. Incredible work from you and uh, Vice President <laughs> Hernandez. And it's super important. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. just a huge influence in the Black 14 yes. coming back to BYU before the Wyoming game. I thought awesome. that was a remarkable thing. That was so thing. cool. That was awesome. Yeah. And uh, for you guys to let... Uh, uh, allow us to, to to have the platform to to help out with those guys over there in uh, wyoming and and uh how they've been trail, trailblazing and how we can help support with the church and with uh, byu football and athletics stuff. it was uh, yeah it, we all came united that day and that, that was awesome to see mm. uh see the love for sure it was beautiful it's like almost 50 years in the making you yeah. know what i mean it was really special for sure really for special. sure okay um when we talk about the running backs the BYU has this year Obviously, going to the Big 12, new challenge. What do you think of Aiden Robbins and Hinkley Ropati and Miles yeah. Davis and these guys, LJ Martin? Man, I, they, they're hard workers, right? And I think uh, we're, uh, when it comes to BYU running backs, we're, people don't really see it. But I think uh, what Jamal and uh, Tyler are doing, right? Uh, when when I just heard, overheard you guys say QBU, I'm like, man, RBU. <laughs> you know, uh, last couple like, of years it's been know? another level, has it not? We've been talking about that. So Tyson Williams is yeah. sticking in the NFL here and there, right? Yeah. Ravens and Cardinals. Obviously Jamal. Jamal. Jamal, yeah. And uh, of course Tyler. Yes. It's like, oh, they're sticking at the next level a little, Three, a yeah. little better. BYU now, running backs in the which NFL, which is exciting. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. They're repping. They're repping. You know, they're repping the Y and they're repping. Uh, their families, uh, the names on their back. So it's awesome to see them uh, grow and uh, definitely, and, and to see what they do in the community. It's, it's awesome. But they're good guys individually in, uh, in, in, in what they do. So, man, I'm, I'm excited for our players, uh, for our players now uh, getting ready to uh, strap it up. And, I'm, I'm, man, it's going to be some hard-nosed football, I think. And, uh, yeah. I'm excited. Is Aiden Robbins like a video game version of some of these guys? 6'3", 230 with yeah. some good speed? Yeah, that's why, I'm, man, that, I'm like, wow, man. I wish if I had like two inches, if I was a, a tall, <laughs> if I was taller than two inches, I'd be a defensive end and be like Brady Popinga, right? <laughs> you would have been the, the Brady <laughs> Popinga? Yeah. But, man, our running backs, they, I, I'm excited. They, I think it's going to be undercover. They're just going to come, and, and they're just going to surprise a lot of people. And uh, last year, Ropati killed it, right? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the end, and to see these guys come and compete and, and really uh, uh, step it up. And, and it's, it's opportunity, right? And if, if they get that opportunity, I, I guarantee they're going to take it and run with it for sure. Fui Vakapuna is on BYU Sports Nation. You played some fullback, too. You and yeah. Manasseh. I mean, yeah. I, and I feel like the fullback's kind of a lost start. Shout out to Houston <laughs> Haymuli as well. Yeah. Mason, Mason Wake's played some fullback. Mason, yeah. Yeah. It's still in the playbook. How do, yeah. we, how, do we bring, how do we bring back more for the fullbacks? Is it a lost yeah. start? You know, Kalani's a fullback, so I, I, you know, shout out to Kalani and say, hey, man, just throw the fullbacks out there. You know, I know, you know, they'll, they'll, if you give them the ball, you know, like a, a, a fourth in inches or fourth in one, They'll, they'll get that for you or get that touchdown for you, those short yardages or a flat route, you know. So 
shout out to the fullbacks out there. So it's, 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 it is a dying breed, but I would say the new fullback are tight ends, right? It's, it's that. It's kind of H-back that H, can play yeah, both, right? And that's both. what Mason Wake is. Yeah, I, I'll yeah. say Johnny, is a, if, if he was uh, playing at this time, I think he would be a, a, a solid. Harleen? Harleen. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I could see him. Just with it. his guitar in the background? Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> For sure. Fooey, <laughs> cool. great to talk with you, man. Yeah. Congratulations on everything you have going Always on. Always good to see you Belonging. Can't wait to watch you play in the alumni game again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we got to invite uh, president, new, our new president, Reese. Hey, Reese. Come out, you know, flip, flip the coin oh. or quarter or anything or be I, on our team. I guarantee he's going to be there. <laughs> I guarantee he's going to show up. He, awesome. he loves that stuff. Right on. Unless Ooh. he's got a previous out of town. Yeah. You know? Great to see you, brother. Thank you, guys. I hope the next time I see you, we're on a golf course and it's warm. Let's do it. Yes, a couple <laughs> weeks, hopefully. Golf, guys. Yes. Golf. Golf. The new <laughs> frontier. <laughs> We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from Studio B. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. You may be familiar with the BYU TV reality competition show, All Round Champion, which features youth athletes who compete in various events to be crowned the all-round champion. Season 5 just came to a close and featured a number of outstanding para-athletes for the first time. In fact, Lily Brooke is the Season 5 All-Round Champion. She'll join us in just a moment, but first. I came here because I wanted to prove it to myself and everyone else who I am and what I am capable of. We all leave me, Lily! You're literally a natural. When I found out that she was a boxer, it made perfect sense because she has so much grit and so much determination. Go! Oh! Lean forward! Oh. <laughs> I'm an athlete that never quits, no matter the circumstance. She's climbing up on her knees. Lily, so you have your own internal fire. Never let it go out. Amazing stuff right there. And it is our pleasure now to welcome in the all-round champion, Lily Brooke. To we got BYU a champion Sports on the program. Let's go. Very nice. Let's go. Congratulations, nice. Lily, on winning season five. Thank you so much. It was definitely a journey. Yeah. Uh, well, that's one word to explain it. How else would you explain it? Using a few more words, competing in season five. Okay, competing in season five, it was really amazing being able to meet all the other athletes, but also to learn so many different sports and take the skills I learned in that to my own sport. What was the sport that you were like, hey, I've got this, no problem. And then what was the one where you were like, oh boy, this is going to be a challenge? I think swimming was one where I was actually super confident in. I've never done open water though. So that's where it was kind of like, oh no. <laughs> and then for the hardest sport, I would actually say that's climbing. I went into it completely not looking forward to it at all. Uh, Lily, you just mentioned you learned a number of skills in some sports that you don't usually compete in that you can utilize in what you consider your strength. So what skills are they and how do they apply to your strength sports? Yeah, so I think the first one I want to start with is actually goal ball. So we were given eye shades, so we could not see anything, and we had to rely on our other senses. Now, in boxing, you have to rely on your eyesight, of course, but you also have to rely on so many other things. Like, you have to know when you touch the other boxer. You have to know, I don't know, like, you have to be able to hear 
how your other opponent is doing. So for me, taking the eye shades, having nothing except my hearing, my touch, that greatly helped me in being able to recognize those other senses in boxing. Mm. So I didn't originally know how important they were. But now after coming out of goal ball and noticing, okay, my sight isn't the only thing I have, I brought it back to boxing. You can watch Daredevil now and get it a little more, right? Um, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> okay, what were some of your favorite moments besides winning the competition uh, in participating in all-around champion season five? Oh, goodness. There's so many moments that I could that come to my mind immediately. I think sledge hockey week was probably one of my favorites. It was just a sport that I really enjoyed and I was excited for it, right? It was Maggie's sport, the other athlete from Salmon Arms. So I was very excited for it. Another one that I think was so much fun was sailing. Now, I went into it kind of like, oh, this is going to be easy. But then I got out there and I was like, oh my gosh this is hard. This is actually kind of difficult. It's relaxing, but it's lots of fun. Lily Brooke is the season five all-round champion, a competition series show on BYU TV. You mentioned your affinity for boxing and you have a bright future in that. Um, walk us through what's going to happen in that sport and how did you get involved in boxing to begin with in, in the para format? So boxing originally, this is kind of a funny story. So when I found out about my impairment, I stopped doing sports for about a year and a half, maybe two years. And then I decided, you know what, it's time for me to get out there again and find something different that I love. So I originally tried swimming and it wasn't my thing, not competing in it. I enjoyed swimming, but just not competitively. And I don't know how this came up, but I thought, you know what? let's try boxing. There's a boxing gym in Salmon Arm. I might as well try it. So I got there. And on the first day, I fell in love with the sport. I will never forget that day. It was amazing. And at that time, I didn't have my sports wheelchair. So I was standing or sometimes I would have to sit on just a stool or something. So I started with that. Because whenever I hit the heavy bag, I would fall over because I didn't have the stability or muscle strength. Then after a few years of finding wheelchair basketball and paranordic sit skiing, I decided let's take the wheelchair and bring it into boxing. Now I was already aware that wheelchair boxing was a sport. I just, I don't know. It never came to my mind to bring my own wheelchair into boxing because I was the only para boxer who was at my gym. Now, with all that, boxing right now isn't a huge sport because, I mean, it's just not known. It's very much still developing. I know one other man who is actually on all-round champion as well, Leo Samarelli. Yeah. He was the first, one of the first, like, wheelchair boxers that I know of. And he was the one that really got me into boxing itself. So, yeah, I think that's generally how I got into boxing and then as for the future I don't know what's happening with boxing my goal is to keep boxing and spread the word about it because it is such an amazing sport not just wheelchair boxing but adaptive boxing in general like working with all the other athletes I was able to help them find their own adaptations without it being too difficult and that's what people don't understand is that boxing is actually quite adaptable which is why I want to 
show everyone just how adaptable it is and how much fun it can be. Hey, that's awesome. And I just watched Creed 3 a couple weeks ago. So boxing's on the mind, uh, which is great. What's next for you now that you've uh, won season five? So now that I've won season five of All-Iron Champion, of course, I am hopefully going to go out and spread the word. I just recently have started doing some bigger presentations within my hometown about adaptive sports. And I'll talk about boxing. I'll talk about my time on All-Iron Champion. And I've also been talking about my other sports as well. So I'm hoping to get into public speaking a bit and just talk about my experience, talk about my journey, how I got there and where I'm going to go. So that's my route for boxing right now. Then I also have Paranordic Sit Skiing. So I just went to Canada Games for Paranordic Sit Skiing, and that was a huge goal of mine, something I was really looking forward to. And now that I've made it, I'm not quite sure what's going to be next. I'm going to keep training. I'm going to still train as much as I have in the past, and I'm going to see where it takes me. And then wheelchair basketball, which is another sport that I do. That's the sport that I am currently hoping to train a lot in and hopefully go far in. That's my goal. So I'm going to nationals this year for wheelchair box, for not, not wheelchair boxing, wheelchair basketball. And then I'm going to continue training in my hometown and then with my team back in Vancouver. Lily, I see a lot of gold in your future. Fantastic. You're an inspiration. Uh, we appreciate the attitude that you bring to sport and what you brought to BYU TV. Congratulations once again. Thank you so much. It was such an amazing experience. Fantastic. Lily, thank you so much for the time on BYUSN. She is the season five all-round champion. Listen, we like talking to champs on this show, and Lily's a champion. Super cool, too, because that's a space that I think a lot of us that don't know are learning about, right? Like adaptive sports. For sure. And boxing and, uh, you know, uh, wheelchair basketball and, and whatnot. There's a lot out there, um, which is cool. And she's spreading the word. She's helping get the word out there, which is great. She's sailing. I mean, she's rock climbing in season five. What can't she do is the question. <laughs> I think the, the answer is nothing. That's um, wild. She can do everything. Yeah. Uh, as a reminder, you can watch All Around Champion on demand for free anytime on the BYU TV uh, website, BYUtv.com, the app, or your mobile device, or on Roku. It's all free and available on demand. Go watch Lily win season five. It's on demand. Okay, softball hosts in-state rival Utah State tomorrow, Miller Park, for Eastern Time on the BYU TV app. And a rise and shout out for a final time. Whoosh, Kevin. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Whip Wrap presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Mass Saint Collective, affiliated with Kansas Jayhawks, posted a photo of the entrance to the football offices featuring the logos of the new Big 12. What's one word that describes how you feel seeing that? It's just another notch in the belt of, ah, it really is happening that BYU is going to the Big 12. That's not one word. The, the low... <laughs> Okay. Are there a bunch uh, of dashes in there? Validating. How Val about that? I like that. I like validating. That. I mean, it's glassy. Uh, I like that uh, entrance. It looks nice, man. All right. Which brings us to the countdown. Hit it. Countdown. 
to the Big 12. 100 days. 100. Just a 100 nice, just a nice days away. Hundy. Keep from it July up, first and temperatures that are above 35 degrees. That day, baseball and softball <laughs> could play if they wanted. It's going to be adventurous today. Let's stay with the Big 12 theme. Conference is partnering with Rucker Park to launch a series of youth clinics featuring conference head coaches this summer and hopes to hold exhibition games at some point there in the summer for men's and women's basketball. Jerem, is this better for the conference and BYU in exposure and recruiting somehow? I'm not sure how it affects recruiting, but it's a cool event that gets the Big 12, which is perceived as being like on the plains, right? It's much more than that. Um, in Rucker Park, which is uh, the most famous outdoor basketball venue in the world, uh, in New York City, which is exciting. So that's super cool. I think that's very fun. I've never connected Big 12 and streetball before, but here we are. I just like fresh ideas, and Brett Yormark has them. This is totally driven by him. He ran Jay-Z's entertainment business based in Brooklyn. He knows all about New York City. It's his idea and his vision to have the Big 12 football pro day that's now going to happen. I love it. I just, I can't wait to see what he tries next. It's bigger than the so-called truck stops, right? That uh, people like to make fun of the Big 12 with. No, 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 it's, it's expanding. And your mark certainly doesn't come from this space, he's opening it into the spaces he's been in. Say what cool. you will about some of the cities in the Big 12, because the universities in each of those respective cities are so built around the schools and the athletic programs, rabid fan bases, full stadiums, it's college football in the Midwest and in the South. Let's go, man. Yesterday, multiple reporters said the Pac-12 presidents received a quote, positive update on the new media deal. BYU and other Big 12 fan bases reacted as you would expect. Is the obsession with the Pac-12 media deal or lack thereof an unhealthy one for BYU fans? I don't think it's unhealthy. I just think it's distracting. But sometimes it's a funny distraction. And it gives BYU fans and frankly, Big 12 fans, several Big 12 schools are just as involved as BYU is in this whole Pac-12 hullabaloo. It's, it's kind of just a funny distraction. But don't let it distract from the fact that you know, actual games and a deal has been done in the Big 12, like let the Pac-12 figure their thing out if it, if it, it gets figured out at all, whatever. When, like, is, it, when it, is the Big 12 gonna announce that deal, by the way? It's just- The Pac-12? The, the Big 12. They oh. haven't actually announced that deal, right? Well, it's, it's become like- report. It's It's, it's just, just understood. It, it's happened, it's been so, it's become so yeah. common. It hasn't been- such common knowledge. The league they, hasn't said this is officially Do they deal. need to announce it? Do they ever, yeah, do they ever need to? Listen, we're as guilty as anybody. We talk about this almost every day on the show. It is it is a fun thing. It's a conference. It's a funny distraction. We're now in a conference, so we're like, yeah, yeah, us, them. We're excited about like belonging to something bigger than uh, you know independence, which is exciting. Frankly, the Pac-12 could get a deal that offers more money per team, but it depends a lot on where you are. If people have a hard time finding it, is it worth it to get more money? That's a conversation for another yeah. day. No, no, that's an opinion I've shared. Is you could you could have more money, but you lose if you're not with ESPN and Fox. Like either way, the Big 12 has won this battle. Sweet 16 games tonight on CBS, and we are watching Kansas State out of the Big 12 take on the pride of the West Coast Conference, Gonzaga, and future Big 12 member in Gonzaga. Are you more of a fan of Kansas State or Gonzaga tonight? I have Gonzaga in the title game, so uh, probably Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah. I want Gonzaga to win so that they can play UCLA and destroy UCLA. Like, 
Please, Gonzaga. Again, a Pac-12 angle. Frankly, if Kansas State wins, awesome. I will just be rooting against UCLA because UCLA is probably going to win tonight and get to the Elite Eight. So whoever wins out of this game, just beat UCLA. <laughs> Yesterday, Solche Mayava posted pictures on his Instagram celebrating his birthday with a caption saying, switched positions, but I ain't switched teams. To which his teammates responded hilariously. Lapini Katoa. Was the caption directed towards Clark and Campbell Barrington? Sorry. Clark Barrington. Not. It was directed to Jacob Conover, Jackson Kafusi, or maybe Knoxville guy Keenan Peely, Blake Freeland. It was probably for Dallin Holker. Dallin Holker. Couldn't be for me, probably for Logan Fano. Logan Fano. If it's not for me, it's got to be Tate Romney. Has Tate Romney responded this yet? This is amazing. Was this targeting by Soljay or unsportsmanlike conduct by Lopini? I don't think Sol J had any intention of this happening. I love this so much. I think this is very funny from Lopini Katoa. I'm not going to give him unsportsmanlike conduct. He might get a five-yard penalty, uh, but a worthy five-yard penalty. Sometimes I, those five-yard penalties are worth it. I give him a touchdown. <laughs> this is fantastic. I love that dudes that transferred are pointing to other dudes that transferred. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's a great. It's great. Well, I love. I love the collective senses of humor of all well of these guys. You can go back and read all the yeah. comments on that. It's pretty funny. Super we just, fun. We just grabbed some. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from BYU Football Pro Day 2023 at the Indoor Practice Facility in Provo, Utah. I'm Spencer Linton. Along with Jerem Jordan, we are watching the 40-yard dash, and we're going to bring in one of our colleagues, Dave McCann, to help us break down these numbers. We just saw Jaron Hall run right before we took you to break. And Jerem, the number is on that first rep? 462. 462. We'll take four, another six look is at that. 462 is a good number for Jerem. He did not run in Indianapolis. Yep. We were wondering if you would no do that today. No in Indianapolis, yeah. A 462. Here's another look at that Jaron Hall run in the 40-yard dash. Jaron's good enough to get uh, four, five, nine here, maybe on this second attempt, um, which is which is fast. But the the man of the day is Caleb Hayes. Caleb Hayes. We're going to show you his first forty in just a moment. I'm declaring him right now. Was Jonah Trenman, Pro Day MVP. Blistering. Caleb Hayes is already that. He will he will be that when this finishes, because he just ran a four three. One. And here it is. Wow. Caleb Hayes, 4-3-1 in the 40-yard dash was just he burning. Is, he is he is at least minicamp invite. He is he perhaps could be undrafted free agent now at this point. Caleb Hayes rocketing himself Ooh. into position to be an NFL guy today. This is live now. This is live Puka Nakua. Dave, uh, Caleb Hayes having a day thus far as we look at uh, Mr. Nakua. You know, whenever there's a buzz here in the room, because everyone's doing things, all of a sudden, ooh, hi. Then you look up and you go, something just happened. Something just happened. <laughs> and everyone is is keeping an eye on, on Puka, too. We, we know of his ability to get down the field, get open, uh, make spectacular catches. But here's the straight 40. Okay, Puka's going to reset. I think like Chris Brooks, for Puka as a receiver, would be nice to be in the 4-5s as well. Austin Collier was a 4-6 guy. 4-6 is fine as well. But I think for Puka to go from potential like fifth or sixth round guy to slide up to like maybe a fourth round guy it'd be nice to be in the four fives some other notables chris jackson ran a four four three as you look at puka puka's put on some muscle since he and stanford game hadn't he i've heard him yes he has like i've heard a few nfl scouts talk about puka nakua the way they talked about tyler algier which is 
is there's just flat line speed in the 40, and then there's game speed. And they all reference, like, another gear. Like, Algier, even though he's a 4.6 in the 40-yard dash, he's got game speed. He's what, a little faster. And they feel the same his, way about Puka Nakua. Yeah, what was his 10 to 20 split? And then for receivers, what's your 20 to 40 split? Here is Gunnar Romney. Good to see Gunnar healthy. And, uh, boy, we'd hope to healthy. see him all season long. I know. Man, is, he is rocking a mustache, that's it, for sure. I don't know if that affects the aerodynamics of the run. Probably slows you down a bit. Uh, I think it makes him feel cooler. So, hey. <laughs> you know, and, and talking to Harvey, and I know he was up here, um, he said that the biggest thing is the 40. Because it, it, there's nothing hidden in the 40. You're either fast or you're not. And he said back in the day when he came through, it was he wanted to be big and tough and show all this stuff. He goes, the game's changed. It's all about speed. And so that's why it's like, uh, well, like at a golf tournament. Everyone's over here quiet, waiting for each one of these guys to run. All those 32 scouts have their own clocks. Um, this is the revealer of all. I thought that was an interesting perspective. This is Earl Tuioti Mariner. We do have some numbers coming in from Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney specifically. As Mariner finishes Puka's his run. Puka's a 4-5-9. Four, five, nine. Four, so, again, five, nine. he's in that range where he needs to be. Certainly, you'd want to be uh, uh, as fast as you can. D'Angelo Mandel, 4-5-1. That's a good number. You mentioned Chris Jackson, 4-4-3. Four, four, Speed from Chris. Yeah. Never never in question with Chris. Gunnar Romney, 4-7. Earl Tuioti Mariner, a, a 5-1-9. Certainly different for a defensive lineman uh, like my name is Earl to Yoti Mariner. Okay, so we're looking for something a little bit better from Gunner in his second attempt rather than the 4.7. Uh, yes. Nakua, like we we're hoping that Gunner can push his number down towards what Puka Love just ran. sixes would probably be a good number at this point. This is Joe Tukuafu. Offensive lineman for BYU. Saw time at center among other positions. I'm interested too in this next guy, Peyton Wilgar. Uh, he looks thin and trim. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't see much of him with that injury, the backside of the season. And uh, here he is. His, his deep blue story is phenomenal. And the uh, guy just wants to make it to the NFL and make some money playing football. That's a big run for him. If he could go kind of 4-7, I think that would be a good number here. All right, Peyton Wilgar with his first 40-yard dash. Looked pretty good out of the gate. BYU Sports Nation's on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. Subscribe, rate, and review. Baseball officially canceled today, but we do have volleyball tonight against Pepperdine, 9 Eastern time. Perhaps some baseball tomorrow. Softball canceled as well tomorrow. Yeah, a little snow. You know, you can't play outside. Just indoor sports. Indoor things. Indoor sports. Yes, which is why pro day and volleyball are still happening. And, And baseball got a game in yesterday because it's a turf field. They can drain a if ton of dirt, moisture there. Yep. If there's dirt, it's too wet. Which is why softball cannot play. Yep. Yep. Uh, again, our question of the day, what is the most impressive thing you've seen at today's BYU Football Pro Day? Ben Peterson on Twitter says Caleb Hayes. Yeah. He's crushing it in every drill so far. It's fun to see these players repping the Cougars one last time before they move on to their next adventure. And we think maybe Caleb Hayes has vaulted himself into, at worst it feels like, a preferred undrafted free agent contract. Yeah, yeah priority free agent. Yes, Absolutely. priority free agent. Yeah, excited to watch uh, you know, Puka and Blake and, and Jaron uh, hopefully get drafted here. Saw John Beck moments ago. I uh, saw him. He's here to work with uh, Jaron Hall during his position work, and those things will continue for a few minutes uh, after we wrap up the show and, and get off the air. But 
the work is largely done, and now it's the waiting game as we push toward late April, about five weeks from now, and wait for the NFL draft. Yeah, and these guys are uh, you know, hoping to be drafted in the case of a Gunnar Romney, a Chris Jackson, and so on, uh, to have an opportunity to get at least a minicamp invite. The minicamp invite of work. Just to yeah. show up. Um, I, I believe that's what Zane Anderson ended up doing at a BYU, is got into a minicamp and then stuck, and then maybe it was undrafted free agent, but... Get an opportunity, take advantage, and then you can stick in the league. Half the league are undrafted free agents. Let's go. Uh, yeah, and there are a number of notable players for BYU that were not drafted that are making a name for themselves. No. Yep. Daniel Sorensen, Taysom Hill. Just yeah. a few you off forget top that mind. Taysom wasn't drafted. Let's right? go. Our thanks to today's guests. BYU football head coach Kalani Satake, his former players, Sione Takitaki, Tyler Algier, Harvey Longy, and, of course, our analysts, David Nixon and Dave McCain. Sorry to just spit it. We ran out of time. For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Shout out to Jonah Trineman because apparently the MVP is MVP, after his baby. Uh, name. We'll see you uh, for BYU Volleyball tonight, taking on Pepperdine 9 Eastern. Go Cougs. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.